Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Welcome back, Imp Nation. The Imp Podcast lives. Yes, I know. I'm a little delinquent in getting this one out. Sorry, life got in the way. A senior that's graduating, girl problems, going to the prom. I have an eighth grader who has her moving up ceremony. Soccer season. We had a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. But this one, I've really been looking forward to, man. Wait till you guys hear uh, the story of Graham Klain. He is as awesome as they get. Loved, loved, loved hanging with him in college, but he's just doing some epic stuff that you guys need to hear about. Hey, Tom, it's great to be here. It's so much fun. I think it was Ben who said a couple episodes ago that this is just a lovely and charming thing you're doing. So I want to I already said it before we got on, but yeah, thanks for doing this. This is a lot of fun. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to hear voices of old friends while I'm driving around town and you know picking up stuff in the grocery store. So thank you for doing it. No problem. My pleasure. And it's been great therapy for me. So and it's great catching up with everyone. And I can't wait until we eventually turn this into an imp reunion as everyone has been talking about. So, so I want to hop right in. I need you to give everyone a little of the background, high school, where you grew up, and then lead me into YUVA. Sure. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, went to Marist High School, which a number of, uh, a bunch of U, uh, UVA alums have gone to. And I, my parents, you know, desperately wanted me to go to a variety of other places that were cheaper. Uh, but uh, I, I went to, I, I came up um, for the scholarship, the Jefferson Scholarships weekend. Like my good friend JTB, I also did not get it. But I think that's one of the um, stealthiest things that UVA does is they get all these kids to come in from all over the country. And then they only give like a handful of these things out. I think they give a lot more now. But then everyone comes anyway, because you have this fantastic weekend uh, and meet all these incredible people and they really should do it upright. Um, it was actually, I was there the weekend of the drug bust though. That was one thing that happened the weekend <laughs> that I was here for Jefferson Scholars was there was like a, a, a drug bust on, on Rugby Road. I wasn't there just for the record. And uh, so yeah, I fell in love with UVA. Uh, and so even though I didn't get the scholarship, I came and yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of those, I didn't fall in love with one particular tree the way JTB did, but um, yeah, it was just the whole experience. Well, yeah, that was the drug bust. I think Charles Barron was implicated in, right? Wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You can, you have to, if you can help me track down uh, Chuck 
uh, that'd be fantastic. And you can ask him then. <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens when you don't uh, jump to the mic and get on here right away. I poke fun at you until the point where you just get scheduled with me to do your uh, imp podcast. So, okay. So <laughs> where, besides UVA, were there any notables that you were thinking of? You know, my parents are from North Carolina. And so UNC was up there. But then they kind of insulted everyone in the room from out of state and basically told everyone that they weren't going to get in. So I, I kind of enjoyed coming to UVA instead. But other than that, you know, that, that's, that was really the other one that I was thinking about. That and Georgetown. So, okay, so you get on grounds and first year, new dorms, old dorms, where were you? I was in old dorms. Only way to go, Humphreys. Uh, and uh, loved it. And, you know, I, I didn't even know where New Dorms was, even though it was only, you know, 150 yards away. And I had a great time and, you know, did the whole rush thing. And I think another story, I know Jonathan Blank's coming up a lot here in the first 90 seconds. But uh, so Jonathan Blank was a fraternity brother. But as he will tell you, uh, he as he tells me often, he almost balled me. Um, from getting in fraternity. <laughs> I don't really know why. Wouldn't that be uh, ironic? Yeah. Wouldn't that be ironic that he balled you as opposed to the other <laughs> way around? I'd love that. Yeah. So. And uh, remind me, what fraternity was that for everyone who's listening? Yeah. Delta Tall Delta. Rest, rest in peace. It is no longer at the University of Virginia. But there's actually a lot of imps that, especially in our vintage, that crossed crossed in through those doors, Charles Barron, uh, Calvin Schneider, Justin Rosalino, myself. Um, so there's, there was a lot of uh, cross-pollination for a few years. Right. If that's any representation uh, of the group, we know why they're no longer on ground. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Sorry if your kids are listening to this, but uh, truth hurts. Truth hurts. So, okay. So here we are. You're in the dorms the first year. You're in Humphreys, rocking it out. No air conditioning in the old, dorm, old dorms, right? And uh, you then uh, decide to declare your major at that point. What were you going to major in? Oh, so, you know, I came to school and I was going to be, so I was a, uh, an artist in high school and I said well I'm not good enough to actually be an artist and I don't want to be poor so but I decided to be an art history major um, no one was smart enough to tell around was was kind enough not smart enough kind enough to tell me that I probably wouldn't make a lot of money as an art history major either but then my first semester of school a class called art since 1945 I could not stay awake because they kept on cutting out the lights and showing the slides and I slept through the entire semester. Like as soon as the lights went out, cause you know, it's, you're in your first year dorm, you're away from home. We didn't go to bed before 2.33 every night. And I think it was like a 10 o'clock class. And so they would get back in there and just settle right back in, get a good nap, get up. And somehow I, I, I scraped through that class. But after that, I decided that I needed to change my major. So I ended up being a um, econ and a religious studies double major, which, um, came in handy later to be able to switch, uh, switch path. So wow, that, that, was, the, that e was the track. Econ and religious studies, they seem to come in conflict a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. I wasn't smart enough to uh, realize that, but at the time they just both seemed super interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, great. And then you hit a couple of bumps along the way. I did. I did. Yeah. So I, uh, 
somewhere between my second and third year of college, I found out that I had cancer. And so that sidetracked my summer. Um, but I was bound. So I had the surgery, had to go to Indianapolis, have surgery. I came back and was actually here. I was determined to come back to school, which is, you know, yeah, 19, 20 year old kind of bulletproof, you know, immortality. Think you're Superman. Like, I'm like, I'm cancer. I'm going back to UVA. This is where my home now. And so I was determined to come back to school. And I was supposed to live in the fraternity house. And my parents were like, you can't live in the fraternity house. Your immune system is depleted. You're 20 pounds underweight. You're bald. Like, you're, you're, you're not in any condition. Uh, and, um, but I was really determined to figure out a way to get back to school. And Boots Mead, God bless him, uh, offered for me to live at his house. And so my first, uh, my, uh, the first semester, of my third year, I actually lived at Boots's house with him for the semester. And um, so, you know, different, different uh, routes, if you will. I mean, it, definitely a different college experience, uh, living with, you know, a sage on uh, Findle Avenue, uh, who is so good to so many uh, of our fellow imps. Um, and yeah, but he, he put a roof over my head that was safe for a, a full semester. What an absolute gift in the midst of chaos for you. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was a saint, absolutely a saint. So. so take me through that time from uh, when you found out. That must have been, uh, yes, we're at 20, we're indestructible, but that must have been like, um, like whoever thinks of, a 20 year old having cancer, right? So what was, take us through that. What was that like? It was obviously a very formative period for me. Um, it definitely put lots of things in perspective and definitely kind of like a, was a good check on the, the type, my type A personality uh, and put things in perspective. I never really thought that I was gonna, you know, it was a curable form. Um, with the right treatment, so highly curable, but it was definitely like you had to go through the, the humbling process of, you know, you were felt like hell and, excuse me, um, did not feel well and uh, were sick and so forth and so on. Uh, I had um, a couple, I was on chemo through, through the summer surgery, chemo was here, was back in chemo in the hospital here, Martha Jefferson, and then I was, then I was cleared. So it was, it was uh, it definitely uh, changed my perspective on life and, you know, really led me to, I think, invest in more in people, which I, you know, I think that's continued to be the trajectory going forward from there. But it, it was a life-changing experience uh, for sure. And I will say, you know, it was also a formative one for friendships. Like, you know, some of the people that, or many of the people that showed up in my hospital room were imps, right? You know. Charles Barron, Justin, Jonathan, you know, a lot of them fraternity brothers as well. But like, you know, it was, you, you find out like, right? Like who you're super close to, right? When the, when, and the taking their time out of their schedule to come spend an hour with you. So yeah, it was an, it was an important time. So in a lot of ways, uh, it was a gift. It was a, it was a gift in a lot. Yeah. Of, yeah. Long, long term. I think that's true. 
And then you had an, another bump in the road, which is you almost became a Z. What the heck was that about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Little, little known story. So I had Charles came to me kind of, and I don't know how well, uh, Tom, you know, Charles, but Charles is, will tell you exactly what he wants to tell you and not one word more. Right. So, and there's no point in trying to get another word out of him. So all he said to me was like, look, there's going to be some people that are going to come and they're going to ask you to be in a certain group and you don't, I'm not telling you what to do, but can you not make that decision at the time? And I was like, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and he's like, I understand. Just, just don't say yes at the time. And I was like, they don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Cause I didn't know anything about imps. I didn't know anything about Z's. You know, anything about anything. You probably thought you were getting invited to a, like a sorority party. Like that's what right, right. That, right? I was like, I'm going to say yes. If that's the question. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so I got taken to, I think it was in like Brown's college or something. Um, there's one uh, an individual who remained nameless, great guy, great human being. who was a Z who I knew and asked me to come with him somewhere. I was like, sure. And yeah, I went into a dark room and, uh, candles and stuff going on. And they asked me and I, I think I ruined their night. Right. Cause I was like, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say yes right now. It's kind of like, so all the air kind of left, deflated the balloon. And then I left. And then a little while later, so then I was kind of like, you know, you guys always ask the question about the, you always ask the question, Tom, about the practical joke that was pulled on someone. Like, I was kind of like, hi, I, I don't really know what's going on, but I don't think he was going to pull on me on anything. I don't even remember what ruse was used for the imp process i just remember adam arthur asking if i was a z and i could honestly say no i'm not a z i've been asked to be a z but I, so i just kept uh I, I i kept my mouth shut at the time about having been through that whole z process but yeah i was uh asked did the whole collagen thing walked in there and all the imps were there and what a fantastic group of people um so it was a real pleasure you ever have something happen to you and you think like later on, oh, I wish I would have done this or said that. Like in my mind, you're telling the story and I said, oh, it would have been so cool when he was trying to get inducted by the Z disease if he had blown out their candles and ran out of the place and said, <laughs> no, I'm not going to be a Z. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, okay, so now you're an imp uh, and you then end, you, you finally graduate. And then what happened after graduation? Yeah, so- um, There's a step, wait, wait, before right. I go. Oh my God, Sarah, you're gonna be so angry at me. Tell us, you fell in love. That's true, that's true, I did. So, and I have a funny, funny thing there, which, I had a laugh when I was listening to you and Ben Arthur because the class that we met in, Sarah and I met in a class and I could give you all day, you could never guess what it was, but uh, it was medieval theology, which somehow I made it past all the athletes and Eccles Scholar to make it into that class. Not sure how, um, but I beat out you and uh, Ben Arthur and you know, like the whole crowd to, to get in there. I think Sarah and I were there with like, 11 other people 
Um, yeah, that's where we met. Then that was third year, second semester. Um, you know, she must really have liked me because I was, you know, 20 pounds underweight and bald at the time with a bandana on my head. And um, yeah, and then the next year, uh, we found out uh, that we were pregnant in late fall. And so I got, we got married in January of my fourth year. So that was the the dramatic shift in gears. Cause I was going to be like, I was thinking I was going to be a, like an ethics professor. And uh, that was the religious studies route. And then I found out that I was going to have a young family. So I was glad that I had been in econ classes because then I could shift to consulting interviews uh, to feed, to feed my uh, w- wife and, and kid. And um, who's now uh, actually going to become a double? Well, he's going to matriculate on his way to becoming a double. Who Connor is now almost 26, and um, and come July, and so he's headed back to UVA, and just in a in a, right now actually to become a history teacher. We're super proud of him. Yeah, but that was the bump in my fourth year. So I had like a normal two years half of a third year, quasi half of a fourth year that were kind of normal, but everything else, you know, while, while not normal was fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you got into that medieval studies class and not Ben, because it would be really weird if Sarah married Ben. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Although it might be a really good episode. I have to think through that because it's it's a lot of uh, entertainment value there. So, okay, so you graduated now, and then what? Where'd you head? Yeah, so I did the, uh, the not too, uh, you know, pretty, pretty normal consulting route for a few years. Went back and got my, my MBA at uh, Duke. Um, and uh, I don't think that I overlapped with Linux, but I may have. And I mean, he would, he would have been a professor. I would have been a lowly student. That and, would be easy A for you. That's, <laughs> bad. that's true. This is true. Um, and then after that, I was supposed to go back to my consulting gig and I got lured away by a, a family friend at the time um, and to, to really kind of start a consulting firm, which uh, in retrospect was nuts but it ended up working out really well but it was nuts from if I was really had had my wits about me uh, it was probably a poor choice but it turned out it worked out really well we ran a consulting firm for a while and then we started a software company and then the software we bought another company to merge with the software company and things kind of took off from there and it was in the healthcare uh, data analytics space um, and so that was about a little over a decade of kind of, uh, pants on fire, mad growth of a company. Uh, and then I left there in 2010 and, um, it's just been a, you know, a very good, uh, experience, but pretty exhausting experience. So I had a, a chance to take a break and it was a very short conversation. Tara and I were like, Let's go back to Charlottesville. Um, we loved, you know, it wasn't about, it wasn't about reliving, co- reliving, excuse me, reliving college. It was just about 
being back in this area because, you know, Charlottesville is kind of sacred ground. Blue Ridge are right here and uh, it's just a beautiful place. And so we had, we moved back with the, with the family in 2010. And whatever happened to that company? So that company subsequently went public uh, about five years after I left. We were, we were preparing to go public when I was there. And one of the reasons I left is that I didn't, that's not really what I, where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. So it subsequently went public. And then we had the opportunity to set up uh, a foundation uh, as a result of that, which, we're, which is what Sarah and I spend our professional time on now. Awesome. That's a nice segue into tell me what you're doing with the foundation. That's very exciting. Sure. So, um, first of all, you know, it, I, you know, it's funny. I, I used to say, well, it's not the Gates Foundation. And it certainly isn't the Gates Foundation. But now with recent news, there's even more reason to say. So Sarah and I are staying together, <laughs> unlike the Gateses. Uh, but we're also a, you know, a fraction of the size of the Gates Foundation. So I spend my time on climate change work in Virginia, and Sarah spends her uh, time on early childhood, zero to five age kids in Virginia. And, you know, to kind of boil it down, what it really is about is trying to get resources to great people doing great work in those two different spaces. And, you know, that's, that's how I view my work is just, you know, there's so many fantastic people working their tails off in the nonprofit world trying to do good stuff for us um, in all sorts of ways. And uh, so that's, that's what I view my role is, is how do we, how do we get the right resources for the right people to, to make change in the ways we need to make change. Can you give us an example or two of cool projects that you're working on through the foundation? Uh, sure, sure. So um, one of the ways that I kind of approached, I've approached climate work uh, is to look for voices that have have not been as prominent in the climate world as you know. Often people think of great groups, right? Like the Sierra Club or uh, the Nature Conservancy, are both fantastic groups, right? But the kind of classic environmental groups. Um, they tend to be their membership base tends to be older, wealthier, whiter, that sort of thing. Um, but my perspective on, on climate is that we need everyone trying to figure out how they connect to the problem and take an action. So one of the groups that we funded a few years ago, this is really kind of before, um, certainly before it was in vogue in Virginia to kind of work on climate was to bring in a group called Ceres that, that works with Fortune 500 companies. And so at the state level. So they were working on federal policy, but they really kind of opened up uh, a state office and worked on uh, working with our general assembly on getting clean energy options, energy efficiency expansion, that sort of stuff in the state. And they basically they're like, hey, we've made all these commitments. We need better options in Virginia, right? As opposed to just having Sierra Club knock on the door again and say, you got to save the polar bears. Like this is about like we're businesses. We need, we want uh, renewable energy because it's uh, clean, it's the right thing for the planet, and all about, also, by the way, it saves us money or it hedges our risk or a variety of other benefits. So that's one. And then another one that's more recent is um, 
we have just launched a new program with a group called Virginia Interfaith Power and Light, which is works with the faith community. And it uh, focuses then on the uh, black and brown communities and how to ex make transit more equitable for them. Like all the way down to like, hey, like really got to expand how much we use uh, buses and rail. And, but they're not currently serving the communities they need to serve in a lot of our communities. So how, what are the routes look like? Do, are they safe to walk to the bus stops? Are, they, are the bus stops covered? Like all these things that are so basic and simple. So we're funding the group to kind of organize those communities to kind of communicate that to the city of Richmond, for example, so they can expand uh, equitable transit options and get cars off the road. So those are two examples that are pretty different, right? So we tend to operate more in these with these voices that are not as often heard uh, historically and less so with you know, kind of your bigger, huge, big philanthropies. So since you're in Charlottesville, do you have a feel as to where the university is going on a lot of these initiatives? Yeah, so the UVA is actually, I started poking around at UVA about climate change back in 16. And it's one of the things where I'm working statewide. And then I'm like, what's, what's my alma mater doing, right? Like, where are we? And so I started uh, darkening their halls, which is, this is just how I operate. Like, oh, I think I'm going to go learn about that. So I think I'm just going to go knock on their door and act like I have any right to ask them any questions about anything. But that's what I did. And so at the time they had this goal of reducing emissions by 25% uh, over uh, like uh, a 10 year period. And they weren't making much progress, right? It wasn't for lack of effort. Like their team over there was fantastic, but there weren't a lot of resources being put to it at the top. Um, uh, the former president of the university, this was not their, their former administration was not keenly focused on this. So I, I, me and a couple of other alums formed a group called Wazos for Sustainability, and we started kind of, we gathered voices and uh, got a lot of alumni to, to sign up. You can still sign up, by the way, look us up. And, um, and we started meeting with BOV members and just drawing attention to it. And um, I think that was helpful. Uh, I think that it, it definitely gave the group, uh, the staff over there, they were working on these issues, a lot more cover. Uh, and they were able to point to this alumni group that was super interested in this. Um, and then, you know, with Jim Ryan coming in, uh, it was uh, like a huge breath of fresh air, right? So they, um, they've set new carbon goals. Uh, we were, while it was for sustainability, was able to participate in that process. Mike Lennox actually led a big part of that for Jim Ryan. Um, and so, uh, that was super helpful. Uh, you know, I got to, to meet with Mike and, and talk about it. And so the university operationally is headed definitely in the right direction now in terms of reducing their emissions. I think the next question, just to stir the pot a little bit, is about their endowment uh, and what Uvimco is going to do. Uh, I think they're working on it. It's taken a little bit long time. Um, the group that we found at Wise for Sustainability is submitted a letter at this point, 18 months ago, two years ago. Um, it turns out that it's, you know, 
there's been a big pandemic in between, so cut them some slack. But, um, but I think that's the next big question is what are they going to do on the investment side? You know, one thing I think is really cool about our podcasts and the interviews is that we all have our special interest and we all think that the university could be better in our special interest and we want to yeah. put them forward. Like you heard Ben, you mentioned him earlier. He was talking about art yeah. and songwriting, you know, you on the energy thing, me with the financial literacy thing. It's like, think about it. If you have people who really, really, really know their stuff coming back and they have this passion for the university and it's not miserable self-interest, think about all the amazing strides that we'll make in so many different areas. So that's like awesome to hear that you're involved with that. It's great. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. And I tell you, it's been one of the bright spots is that through the process, I've met all of these fantastic UVA alums that are just killing it uh, in this world. Like they're, you know, they're in charge of sustainability things in the government and for companies, for nonprofits overseas. They're like, they're just in, uh, true, truly uh, fantastic folks out there. So we have our alumni base, you know, obviously uh, imp. Uh, lead the charge, but there are a bunch of even non-imps that are pretty darn good at what they do out there. So we're, we're a lucky, lucky bunch. So you're spending all your time in Charlottesville now, which every once in a while probably conjures up some fun memories. Any like funny stories, fun memories, imp or non-imp related, it, anything that's PG that you could tell us about? Sure. Well, I, I think there's one, uh, a couple of good imp memories. Well, first of all, I think one thing I want to say about the imps is that, you know, I think, you know, this, this issue of them not taking themselves seriously, it has come up a few times on your podcast. And the way I like to think about it, it's a bunch of seriously talented people who are doing serious work who don't take themselves too seriously. So it is, it, you know, it's just a fantastic group. And I think one of the, the stories that I, I remember, it's not necessarily like, one with a punchline, but I remember Calvin Schneider got uh, inaugur initiated, inaugurated, what do we do, crowning of the imp, uh, the king, uh, whatever that term we use. Think of another organization that pelts their new leader with rotten fruit and just, you know, he looked like he had been put through the ringer, the poor guy. And like, like that is the way imp treat their leaders is like don't you get don't you think you're all that right like we're going to absolutely pummel you while we thank you for becoming the king um and so that was one that came to mind uh as i was you know thinking about getting together with you another is there was a uh for an imp march there was on the lawn i think we were down in near fish's room or something on the lawn he lived way on the end of west lawn uh, Matt Fisher, and while, during our uh, imp party, some streakers were coming out of the lawn, and someone got out the spotlight and was hitting them with the spotlight, which is fun, but then for one poor, poor soul, Charles Way came out of nowhere running full speed and chased this poor dude and all you see are these white cheeks going over the hedgerow, right? Like, I, I, I can't imagine how terrifying that would have been. You're like running around, you know, you're streaking and all of a sudden, you know, the fullback 
for the football team is chasing you as fast as you can. Um, so yeah, that one has stuck with me. Um, uh, and then the final one, uh, Maria Doyle, who I think has to be, hopefully you're getting her on. Uh, she has to be the best roaster of these ever. Um, she got the wreath from when they, that they laid at Thomas Jefferson's grave. And I think they like barbecued it or something, the Z wreath, and put it on a known Z's lawn door, right? Like while she was out of town. So those are just three that popped to mind um, uh, of the good old days. Nothing better than pelting Calvin with some fruit. <laughs> Nothing better. So, okay. So now what's left for you? Like, what haven't you done that you want to do? You know, where are you headed? What's on your mind? I know you're a great dad too, and you're spending a lot of time with the kids, but like, what's the, what's the next big thing for you? You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of letting it come. Um, you know, we are, we're able to, you know, for the next 10 years, like this next, I'm going to bore your pot, your, your listeners with climate stuff, but like we're in a critical window, right? So, you know, I've taken some other ventures and, you know, done some art stuff and uh, other things along the way, but like it, for the next 10 years, I think I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the, on the foundation and figuring out how to, how to do the best work possible as rapidly as possible um, to help with the, with the climate problem. Um, but, you know, we, we're fortunate enough to live uh, outside of Charlottesville. Um, and we have a, a good friend who's a farmer. So, like, we've got sheep on the farm now. We just put together uh, a chicken coop yesterday. The garden's booming. Life is good. Um, so between, between climate and um, uh, turning this place into green acres, that's got me filled up for the time being. That's awesome. And the kids, sports going on? Any budding soccer players? What do we have? Uh, we have no budding soccer players. We, our, our, our older two call our younger two uh, the outside kids because I think uh, the younger, the older two were deprived by, by my lack of a, uh, being around when, I was, uh, when they were young. But my younger two are, are mountain bikers, which you know, every, every high school in this county has a mountain bike team which is just like night and day from other places um and so they're they're mountain bikers they really enjoy that we don't we are not a uh, family of natural athletes though so we there will be no sports scholarships coming out of the McLean household we we are uh, ardent uh, athletic supporters Okay. We'll, we'll take that. <laughs> You're an athletic supporter. There's a joke in there. That's right. <laughs> so, okay. And um, do you do a lot of traveling outside of the Charlottesville area? Like where are you like vacationing? I mean, I know pandemic, right. All, all said and done, you probably didn't do a lot, but where do you like to go? Oh, well, so we have these yeah, pandemic aside, right. We love to try to mix up nature and urban stuff right so the one of the last big trips was vancouver so go see the city spend a lot of time in the woods that sort of thing um vancouver uh you know maine we'd love to get back to europe at some point in the future but um yeah but you know we also we also like to stick close to home too and spend some time here in the mountains 
So we talked a little about how the cancer shaped your life, but now looking back at it, can you talk about just the general UVA experience and how that shaped you to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that UVA does a good job at is giving students the reins to like figure it out and realize that you can you can do just about anything if you like, I'm just thinking of you uh, and shoot out cancer, right? Like, why not, right? Like, why not just decide to go do fantastic things as opposed to sitting back and saying, oh, someone else will do it, that seems hard. And so I think that's one of the things that shapes me the most is that, you know, I, I between some experiences outside of entrepreneurial work, um, I just, you know, I did a few things in college, smaller things that I was like, oh, well, I can go do that. Why don't I go do that? So, um, and that's, that's the place to find that out, to figure that out, to say, there's no reason why I can't um, start a new organization, right? You know, I don't know whether you experienced this, Tom, when you were uh, touring every, these schools, they all say like, hey, you know, there's, we have 300 clubs and if you don't have to find what you, what you want to see, you can start it. Right. And yes, that's true. It's, but it's definitely true at UVA, right? Like you can just start new things. And I think that is, uh, that's where I think I caught the entrepreneurial bug and why I continue just to start new things. Right. Like, so between the foundation or the company, uh, one before that, or, Bodies for Sustainability. I started a new nonprofit um, in 18 that's doing well. Like, I think it's just about figuring out, hey, this is what we need to do. We need, here's a great group of people. We got to get together to make something happen. And UVA, the Imps, that were perfect examples of uh, places where you can learn how to do that. So you're talking about us being doers, which I think is a group. We really are a bunch of people who don't just think about it. We actually do things. So on the energy front, what's something little that everyone listening to the podcast could do just to like move the needle ever so slightly? What, what would that be? So I think, uh, so most people, the first thing they want to do is put solar on their homes, which if you can definitely do it. It's not super little. I mean, it's, it's an investment, but there's a lot of innovative ways to, to do that. One of the unsung things to do though, is to do a bunch of energy efficiency stuff around your house, which it is, you know, about, I'm now everyone's going to fall asleep during this part of the podcast because like you're talking about insulation and weather sealing and stuff like that, but it's, it, it can, you know, you can cut your, your energy usage by 15, 20% if, if you're living in a, uh, you know, old drafty house. So that's one thing. I think, I think electric vehicles are right there. There's so much happening with them. And I think you're going to see an explosion of models over the coming years. Um, you know, if that's, a, if that's an option for people to make that commitment to say, hey, I'm going to make this jump. I go at least do yourself a favor and go get in one and drive it around before you make your next car decision and see what you think. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. 
So you're now visiting the current imps that are in school and you're giving them some gray words of wisdom. What are you telling them? I think I would say it's all about relationships, right? You know, I, I think from, I've been becoming more of an imp since the day I was tapped as an imp. I mean, I think I've been learning how to be more like that person that I want to be, that person that doesn't take themselves too seriously and invest in people. And I think that's the, that's the thing to tell people. Like, you know, it's not about you. It's about the relationships and invest in your relationships and, and make as many of them as you can. Yeah, that's great advice. I was actually mentoring a, a young kid who lives in my town who is between two different colleges. And he was asking me, which of these colleges will look better when I go to try to get a job on Wall Street? And I laughed because the first thing I thought of, well, you could pick one. And by the time he graduates, it could be the other, right? Right. That right. changes. And I said to him, I go, well, I'm going to tell you something, but like, don't share it with your dad because I don't want him to get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It really doesn't matter. Uh, I said, like, whether you go to school A or school B, what matters is, you know, what type of relationships are you going to build? What type of young man are you going to become? You know, are you going to network? And the bottom line is how hard are you going to work? Right. And I, I think at the end of the day, um, we give lip service when we're in our 20s to relationships. But when we get in our 40s, we realize, oh, wow, it was really all about relationships. So I, I think you're, you're spot on with that. Absolutely. And you, you, you have a lucky mentee to be, for you to be telling him that. That's awesome. Well, we'll see. If he doesn't get a job, then I'm really going <laughs> to... After it came out of my mouth, I said, oh, should I have put myself out there like that one? <laughs> Anyway, so, hey, it was awesome talking to you. I got to ask you a favorite word with the letters IMP. Oh, dear. I think I'm going to go with, uh, now you've had two people pick impact. So I think I'm going to go with improbable. Um, and I know I'm throwing you a curveball. Um, so I think it was, you know, I just think, there's so many things that are improbable. I think it's improbable that I became an imp. I think it's improbable that, that uh, I mean, if it had been 30 or 40 years earlier that I got cancer, I'd be dead. So you got that going on. Um, so it's improbable that I'm even here. I find that there's so many things that are just so, uh, I'm so fortunate and we are so fortunate. And if we it, it, you know, explore those and, and take advantage of them, uh, and count them as the incredible blessings that they are. Um, we're in, we're in, in better shape. So I think that this whole wonderful world that we get to enjoy is is, is a bit improbable in and of itself. So I came, I scraped hard the bottom of the barrel, and that's what I came up with. So that's awesome. I told you, I told you that was going to be getting harder on these later guests to come up with words. But. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I can't remember who told me. Maybe it was Ben. He wanted me to uh, change the question and do uh, like a dirty joke at the end. But I just uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll do that. That will be like uh, after my two hundredth episode. We'll go back around and maybe that's what we'll start with. But Gray, man, you do great work. You're a guy that you don't just say you do, and no lip service. I mean, you've done well professionally. 
you've got a great family and you're giving back. And I think if ever there was a person to model the imp way, it's you and just can't thank you enough for being on. So thanks for joining us. Hey, it's been a pleasure. And um, my hat's off to you, Tom. Thanks for everything you're doing. All right, bud. Take care. And Imp Nation, tune in. We have a number coming up. So uh, we're going to scan the uh, spectrum of some younger imps, some older imps. We've got some fun things coming on. And if you have any recommendations for me, just reach out. I'll talk to you all soon. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.